It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and we are broadcasting from Wabash College in front of a live studio audience. All right. And our topic uh, today is uh, testicular cancer awareness, and it uh, affects half the population. Uh, do you have testicular cancer? You applauded for some reason. He's a survivor. He's a survivor. Okay, good. And uh, we need a couple volunteers to get on the show, and uh, yeah? Okay, let's come back here. Of course, all the way in the back, here we go. Can you help stand up here? All right, what's your name? Jacob Cooper. Any idea why we're doing testicular cancer awareness with this audience? Not a clue. Because you're all guys. I don't even know what to say to that. Did you know that when you applied to Wabash College, did you know this is an all-man school? I did. Okay, good. I was afraid if you just learned that now, you're in trouble. Okay, so Wabash College, uh, even though there are uh, an all-male population, there are still plenty of opportunities to mix and mingle with the females. I'm sure you know about all the parties that go on here. And as far as your testicles are concerned, Jacob, Jacob right? Yeah. Let's uh, have you read this first statistic about testicular cancer. Leading cancer in young men 15 to 35. The leading cancer in young Did you know that? I didn't either. Leading cancer in young men aged 15 to 35. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you for having testicles, and thank you for coming to this broadcast. Thank you. Okay. Okay, here's our... Uh, okay, sir, stand up. What's your name? My name's Glenn. All right, here's our next, uh, next statistic. Higher death rate than breast cancer in this age group. Ooh, that's a tough one. Death rate, higher death rate than breast cancer for this age group, 15 to 35 year old men. Did you know that, Glenn? Now I do. Now you and your testicles know that. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Let's have a round of applause for Glenn. Yeah. Okay. And then let's do one over here. Uh, yeah? Okay, good. And what's your name? Uh, I'm Sam. Hi, Sam. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Here we go, Sam. One new diagnosis every hour. Every hour? Are you Every kidding? hour. Are you sure about that? Yes. Every hour. That's a great statistic. Thank you for sharing that. And finally, we have, what's your name? Bryce. Bryce, here's our final statistic. Very curable if detected early. And that is the most important thing about testicular cancer. It's very curable if detected early. That is your testicular cancer awareness public service announcement from the men of Wabash College. Adam Ritz is a media personality and keynote speaker, interviewing amazing people from coast to coast. Follow him on Twitter at Adam Ritz or listen to him now on The Adam Ritz Show. I'm Adam Ritz, and, well, thank you for tuning us in. We have a lot of fun on this program, uh, speaking uh, around the issues of social awareness, and um, sometimes we just have fun. And We talked to some uh, pretty interesting people. Recently, we caught up with Gary Marshall, who is one of the legendary Hollywood producers behind the films 
A Pretty Woman with Richard Gere and Julia Roberts. He was also most recently uh, directing and producing uh, Valentine's Day and the sequel New Year's Eve. Gary Marshall was also uh, the brains behind Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley, brother of Penny Marshall, Laverne from Laverne and Shirley. Anyway, we caught up with Gary Marshall, who went to Northwestern in the Big Ten. And, uh, well, we talked to Gary Marshall about a whole bunch of stuff. We're going to feature that conversation uh, right now on The Adam Rich Show. I want to talk about the Big Ten and Northwestern. Yes, Northwestern gets better and better, but not quite good enough. Now it's going to be the Big 12 or 13. Who knows? And they're going to have more trouble. But it's split into two leagues. So mm-hmm. now they got Ohio State out of the way, but uh, they got Michigan. Now, how does, uh, how does Gary Marshall from the Bronx make his way to Northwestern? Did you have other choices to go to? I want to find out how you ended up at Northwestern. Well, it, it might shock you. You know, I'm from the Bronx, New York, and they sent me to Northwestern because I used to say words like water and uh, ruin, which is R-U-I-N, ruin. And they said, you'll lose your accent at Northwestern. I didn't, <laughs> but I went there. That, my father said, you got to lose your New York accent. Never worked out. <laughs> when you're uh, out here on the West Coast and uh, the Northwestern Wildcats made it to the Rose Bowl after the 95 season, that was the Rose Bowl of 1996, did you uh, have a, a great chance to take advantage of being a, a host to all your old college buddies? Yeah, I have in my own family. I have a party of eight because uh, my uh, three kids all graduated from Northwestern. And my sister, Ronnie, graduated from Northwestern, and another in-law, and another class. So we had a big Northwestern contingent. We sat near Charlton Heston, who at the time, may he rest in peace, a good fellow. And it was exciting because I might mention, because this is sports, right, sometime, is I was sports editor of the Northwestern newspaper when I was there. And when I was there, we were losing, so there was not much to write about of a serious nature. So I wrote jokes a lot, and I wrote a lot of humor in my sports column, and that helped prep me for real life where that's what I do now. But when I first wrote humor was to try to make fun of some of the Northwestern problems. Northwestern lost again. They... By the time the Star Spangled Banner is over, Northwestern's behind the touchdown. You know, I did all the jokes. They they didn't do they tried, but they just were not a team. And then Ara Parsasian came in and then we started winning. But I was graduating. But I remember my days, Sports Center Northwestern, one of the highlights. So to go to the Rose Bowl in 95 with everybody and uh, Aubrey or something, I forget Audrey, his yeah. Audrey, he was there. And uh, he went to the Bears. It didn't do as well, but he was great for Northwestern. I still think they won that one call, Keyshawn Johnson. See, it stays in your memory when you're from Northwestern. But uh, (laughs) we almost beat USC, but it was truly one of the highlights of my life, my son and I rooting together and my daughters. Now, in one of your recent films, uh, Valentine's Day, there's a scene where there's a guy in a Northwestern sweatshirt. I think it's in the flower shop warehouse, and he turns. It's kind of like how the transition of the scene begins. He turns, the camera's on his sweatshirt, Northwestern. You plant these in your movies? I always try to mention Northwestern in my movie and my show, Happy Days. Ron Howard went to Northwestern. He had a Northwestern sweatshirt. I did the Happy Days musical and the big pennant in the set is a Northwestern pennant. Well, in Happy Days, I went to Purdue. So you had a Purdue pennant in in Happy Days as well. We had a few of the local uh, high schools, uh, but I always try to get it in. And uh, it's just... uh, it's my alma mater, what can I tell you? And uh, when you 
All three of my kids graduated from Northwestern, and none of them are in jail. So I figured, good for Northwestern. <laughs> I'm happy. One final thought about uh, the Big Ten and the movie Valentine's Day. Uh, the character played by Topher Grace is from Indiana, and there's a scene where there's an IU Indiana Hoosier flag in his bedroom. Tell us uh, about that connection. Well, I am a, a sports uh, fanatic. I love. I play softball to this day. I pitch. I used to play second, but I don't move as fast, so I pitch now. And uh, we have a guy on a softball team from Indiana, from Indianapolis, Greg Wilson. I think he played somewhere there, but he plays on our softball team. And we needed uh, another school, so uh, Indiana, we put in Indiana because we didn't want to do Northwestern again, but uh, IU, and we had uh, uh, some references, and it was important that, I don't know if Indiana's happy, or is that we we depicted a character who was kind of square, and that was part of the character he came well, from. Well, he had there. high morals. That was very good. Yeah, well, high morals is a better way of saying square, but he did. He was a guy from the Midwest, and uh, the truth is I sent all my children to the Midwest. They didn't have to go to Northwestern, but I told my kids if they could go to any college they wanted if uh, – it, if it wasn't in L.A. L.A. is not real. So I said, you got to go Midwest. And they all went to Northwestern, and they learned the Midwest values, which I think are true. Illinois and uh, Indiana, that's a different world out there, and uh, I wanted my kids to be aware of it. Just one final thought, I guess, about sports. What is your favorite sports movie? Well, my favorite sports movie is an odd movie. It's uh, not for me. It's called Pride of the Yankees, Lou Gehrig. And it was uh, important to me because it was the first time I had ever seen my parents cry. I didn't know movies could make you cry, but they cried. I didn't. I thought it was nice. He was sick. He was leaving, but they cried. So uh, that made a big impression on me. And then I saw it years later when I was growing up, and I liked it very much. But I liked them all slap shot and the one, all the ones uh, Shelton does. Jack Shelton is his name. He's a very good director. And... Uh, I like them all, and the uh, the thing is, sports movies have a big problem for me because uh, they're always ending is the big game, etc. So I didn't do many, but one of the best sports movies ever done that I now say is my favorite is the one my sister Penny did, which is called League of Their Own. Everybody go see that great picture, League of Their Own, with a cast of thousands. Mm -hmm. And I was in it. Yeah, yeah. You see me. I, it wasn't my stomach. They gave me a little <laughs> bigger stomach than I have. But I played the candy bar owner of the uh, team. So it was exciting doing that picture and seeing how well that came out. That's fantastic. And uh, you've, uh, my kids enjoy uh, Escape to Witch Mountain, which you appeared in I with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who's a Dwayne, fantastic athlete. I love Dwayne The Rock. We had a good time, and uh, I try to get him one movie. I'm going to work with him again. We're, we had a good time. Andy Fickman was the director, who I know a long time. And uh, so that was a little bit... Uh, different for me, I had to play like a crazy guy, but uh, whatever, I do crazy <laughs> guys, and uh, it, it worked out pretty well. The uh, interesting sports things, which I thought I might mention, because it's just sports people listen to this, right? Absolutely. When my sister made League of Their Own, which is about a girls' baseball league, she thought the ending was when they all go to Cooperstown, the Baseball Hall of Fame, these women who played during the war years, 
got into the Baseball Hall of Fame. She thought that was the perfect ending. She shot it beautifully, and she tested it, and the audience said, what's that mean, Cooperstown? We, a lot of the audience, because uh, women loved it, and they said, we don't know what that is, Hall of Fame, what is that? And then Penny went and asked the group, what do you think League of Their Own is about? <laughs> and they said, well, it's about those two sisters, and how do they end up? What happened? They didn't speak. So Penny shot a new ending, and that's the ending you see when you see the film. The two sisters hug, and they have a, a future. But she still kept, the, for those who know sports, the Baseball Hall of Fame, Cooperstown, and all the wonderful things. And she shot there at Cooperstown. So that's a little backstory on a sports movie. That is fantastic. Thank you, Gary, very much for the time. We okay. appreciate it. Good luck with everything. Good. Any other? You know? That's it. Um, you know what? Okay, one more question. One more uh, question. So your sister's film, A League of Their Own, shot in Indiana, in Evansville. You remember uh, being in our state. I remember that because I wasn't supposed to play the part of Mr. Harvey, who made Harvey bars. There was a, another actor who had the part, a very famous actor, who had to get out of it because he had a contract thing. And my sister called me on a Friday and said, you got to come act. And I had to be there by Monday in Evansville, where I've never been. And uh, she said, it's a little hot here, so <laughs> bring a, a fan or something. And I, I wore loose clothes, but I got there and I really enjoyed the town. I think one of the the highlights was uh, was Rose O'Donnell, Madonna, and me wandering down the street looking for something that might be open at night to maybe have a, a little drink or bite of food. And the three <laughs> of us wandering was quite fascinating. But we all had a very good time and in Indiana. That's fantastic. And then as a, as a baseball fan, uh, with your vocation, I'm sure you've had a chance to meet some famous baseball players. Who's the, the one baseball player out of your past that you've met that just made you feel like a little boy? Well, I couldn't talk to Joe DiMaggio. I was tongue-tied. I, I meet all the stars, but uh, mm -hmm. him, I didn't know what to say. I, he, and he was not at his height of playing. He was doing Mr. Coffee, so <laughs> it's a different guy. But he was still Joe DiMaggio, Joe D., sure. and he was great. But the most impressive, my idol always was Phil Rizzuto of the Yankees. I don't know if they remember him. He was a great shortstop and an announcer. And when I met, because that's why I, I played shortstop, because I loved him originally. And uh, he was about the most uh, important ball player I've ever met. I've met many now since then. The big thing with the Happy Days television show, we had a traveling softball team, and we played at many major league stadiums. And I would meet the players when we were at the stadium. And uh, But I think the most important when I was a kid, I got Ted Williams' autograph, who was a little stoic, to say the least. Yeah. But uh, he was not my idol. He was my enemy. He was the arch rival. <laughs> but uh, I loved Phil Rizzuto. Thanks to Gary Marshall for that awesome conversation. You can catch up with The Adam Ritz Show online. Podcasts of recent shows, including this one, can be found at adamritzshow.com. Like us on Facebook at Facebook slash Adam Ritz Show or follow at Adam Ritz on Twitter. We're proud to have a guest on the show from Athens, Georgia. We're on the campus of the University of Georgia, the Bulldogs or, or the Dogs, as they say, uh, head athletic trainer, and local legend. Well, I apologize, not local legend, a national legend, a national treasure. This is Ron Corson. Hi, Ron. 
Hey, it's good to be here. Now, you truly are a national treasure. Uh, how long have you been in the industry of athletics, sports medicine, on campus here at Georgia? And what are some of the things you've done that uh, pop out in your head as far as your career, some of the favorite things you've done? Well, I've been at Georgia for 18 years. It's a great place to be. I've been in this profession for 30 years, and I uh, truly love it. But I've been blessed with a lot of opportunities. I uh, have had a chance to work at three Olympic Games and uh, just a, a variety of different uh, athletes and different sports. But it's a great profession. Three Olympic Games. That's uh, that's amazing in and of itself. Yes, I had started out in '88 uh, with Seoul, Korea, and then uh, Barcelona in 1992, and then we hosted the Olympics in, in Atlanta, Georgia, in 1996. And I was actually had the opportunity to be the head athletic trainer, and it was a great experience. That is fantastic. Were there um, language barriers? I mean, did you have to work with interpreters with other athletes from other countries and stuff like that? Yes, you, you don't think about that when you're, when you're in college, but you know, uh, one you think about the Olympics is you're seeing so many different sports you don't have exposure to, and there are the language barriers and just uh, different cultures, different people do different things different ways. So I uh, just learned how to adapt to uh, different situations. So with the Olympics, um, what were some of the big names, I guess, famous people that you actually taped their ankles? <laughs> uh, going back to 88, you know, remember that was one of the uh, the greatest uh, track and field teams in history Olympics with uh, Florence Griffin Joyner and uh, uh, you know, then going back to the 1996 and, uh, you know, the 200-meter uh, world record that was, that was set at the Olympic Stadium was a great highlight. But just uh, having the opportunity to meet all those different people and have the chance to share and work with them was a great experience. Was Carl Lewis ever in the mix? Did you yeah, Carl Lewis was there in 88 and in 92. Okay. So Carl Lewis is on the table to get his ankles taped. Uh, did you come over to the, uh, the people with less seniority and say, oh, wait a minute, I'll take this one? When when you work with everybody, everybody works out really well, and uh, and actually a lot of people forget Carl Lewis's sister was on that team as well. It was a great Olympian herself. But uh, um, you know, it was 165 people roughly on the track and field team alone, and usually there's about 800 Olympians on the team, so uh, a lot of different people, and uh, had a great sports medicine staff too. So uh, that was one of the unique things about '96 is uh, being the team leader. Actually, had the opportunity to build the staff, so we were able to select all the physicians, the athletic trainers, physical therapists, and so forth that we wanted, and uh, had, had a great team from sports medicine as well. Well, you've got a really fun office. I, I love looking at the pictures that you have from those Olympics that you've worked at. And now here on campus at the University of Georgia, um, maybe some of the big names that have come through the football team, the football program that are in the NFL or have, uh, have played in the NFL, who are some of your favorite big names? I, I remember everybody, and uh, yeah, it's not just the big names. I think one of the unique things about athletics is working with everybody, and uh, it's um, it's always nice to see when they come back. You know, whether they're an NFL player or you know whether they never played it down, and just have them come back for the spring game with their wife and their kids, and you know, say, "Hey, remember me? I was here ten years ago," and just uh, see where they are in their life, and uh, and hopefully we played a small uh, part in that in Georgia football as well. Ron Corson is our guest, head of sports training or, or sports medicine. How would you say it? Sports medicine. Sports medicine at the University of Georgia in Athens, Georgia. And we're actually here to talk about uh, an initiative that uh, you were a part of that is, uh, is just a fantastic thing for, for young uh, football players in this part of the country with the heat. Uh, you were telling me the last time we talked that Georgia leads the United States in, um, in heat exhaustion-related events, or, or how would you word that? In heat stroke deaths, you know, oh there's gosh. a lot of things that we want to lead the nation in, but that's sort of not one of them. And uh, traditionally, the state of Georgia in high school football has led the nation in heat stroke deaths. And that was something we wanted to try to prevent. So uh, we actually put together a task force last year and worked really closely with the State Association of Georgia for high schools. We were able to put in some very stringent heat laws. And uh, basically what it does is uh, establish more safety criteria for our high school athletes. 
And what I guess what are some of those uh, safety criteria for high school athletes? Basically, what we did, we put together the, the same concept we did with the NCA in 2003. Uh, we have a one-week acclimatization period where everybody comes in. They're working the same time frame for two hours, no more, uh, wearing just shorts and helmets to get used to the heat. And then once we start practice, we go to a 2-1 where you have a, a two-a-day, then a single, a two-a-day, then a single, so it gives them a chance to recover. But particularly in Georgia, what we did is it's a, it's a hot and humid state. So we actually put in temperature guidelines. We require that every school in the state of Georgia has to have a monitor on site to measure temperature and humidity. And then based on that, it determines can they go full pads, can they go shells, can they go shorts. They have to have an emergency action plan. The coach has to be trained in it, and then they have to have an emergency cooling system. So if they have a heat stroke emergency, they know how to deal with it and can treat it on site. That is amazing. And uh, I have to just on the outside looking in, guess that uh, Georgia leading the country in that statistic of heat-related uh, heat stroke deaths for high school student athletes or high school football players, it, it's the hottest part of the country, and it's the biggest state in that hottest part of the country. So it, it's not all Georgia's fault. And the key, the, the biggest thing about heat stroke is it's preventable. And it starts back with education. So we're trying to do everything we can to educate the student athletes, to educate the coaches, to educate the moms and the dads about it. And we feel like education is our, is our biggest uh, weapon in, in combating this thing, is if we can educate people about how to prevent it, hopefully we can keep tragedy from happening. Did this initiative have a, 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 an official name? Can we Google search or YouTube search some of the videos? Yes, it's, uh, it's the GHSA. It's the Georgia High School Athletic Association. It's the HEAT Initiative. The heat initiative. Okay, very good. Uh, Ron Corson uh, is our guest. And before I let you go, uh, I want to know, okay, I'm not a student athlete. I'm not a 20-year-old um, 4% body fat guy. I'm actually uh, middle-aged now and completely out of shape. What is your best advice for just the normal American on being more active, being more healthy, from your director of sports medicine perspective here at Georgia? I think the biggest thing is find something you have a passion for, you enjoy doing. You know, whether it's walking or running or, or swimming or a yoga club or weightlifting, you know, uh, you need to have something you're passionate about. And then, then it makes it fun. And it's not just drudgery going to do an exercise. We'll have to go to the gym and do this today. If you have something you enjoy doing, and I think the other thing is finding somebody to do it with. If you have a workout partner or a friend or a team, that's the motivation to keep you, uh, you know, staying on track. Great advice from Ron Corson at the University of Georgia. Thank you so much for your time. And tell Carl Lewis I said hi. Thank you. Take care. <laughs> Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Conversations and interviews from all over America. It's the Adam Ritz Show. It's the Adam Ritz Show. I am your host, Adam Ritz. Social Awareness Radio. It's a social issue. We'll talk about it on this program. Everything from hazing to bullying to Twitter responsibility. We'll cover uh, charities and foundations. And uh, I'm proud to announce that I'll be working with All Pro Dad. Uh, national Foundation, uh, Tony Dungy, uh, national spokesperson for All Pro Dad. It's a fantastic organization, and their next Indianapolis event will be on November 3rd, right uh, here in Indianapolis at the Colts Complex off of 56th Street. Colts Father and Kid Experience, November 3rd, with All Pro Dad Father and Kids Experience. I'll be out there uh, doing some microphone work and uh, bring my kids out there. Well, we're going to have a great time. And uh, for more information, I'll put a link on uh, the website, adamritzshow.com. That's where you can listen to podcasts of this show and previous shows. And we'll also have a link to how you can register to bring your children out to the All Pro Dad event uh, with notable people. I know Joe Wrights will be there. Some of the Colts coaches will be out there. A lot of fun on November 3rd. We'll have a link to this um, experience 
and this uh, the events rather, and, and what's going to happen on November third. Coach Clyde Christensen will be out there as well. Uh, enjoy a memory making event with your children uh, at the All Pro Dad Colts Father and Kids Expo on November third. Now Tony Dungy uh, from All Pro Dad, and you know him from the Colts and Sunday Night Football in America. Um, Tony Dungy recently wrote a letter to President Obama and Governor Romney. Uh, we'll put a link to this letter on our website as well, adamritzshow.com, adamritzshow.com. The letter he wrote to President Obama and Governor Romney, I won't read the whole thing, but here's the uh, gist of it. In the heat of an election like this, it's easy to only see the things that divide rather than the things that unite us. The two of you have very different views on many issues, but you both believe, as evidenced by your words and actions, in fatherhood. Uh, And then a few stats are listed. For the first time in our history, the majority of women under the age of 30 who are having children are doing so outside of marriage. Research shows that 24 million children do not live with their biological father. Approximately 7 out of 10 African-American children are born to unwed mothers. 62% of juvenile offenders grew up without a dad. Uh, The final paragraph of the letter says, I've asked people across America to join me in signing this letter to you, urging you to put the issue of fatherhood at the forefront of our nation's attention as you discuss issues publicly in the final stretch of this campaign. Now more than ever, American families need strong leadership. I trust and pray that you agree and will stand with us to make tackling the issue of fatherlessness a priority. Thank you again for your service to our country and to your families. Sincerely, Tony Dungy. Uh, The entire letter, we'll put a link to it on our website, adamritzshow.com, and you can sign the letter. Add your signature to the letter as it grows and grows momentum uh, to show uh, the president and Governor Romney and whoever is our next president of the United States how important fatherhood is to you. All Pro Dad, again, the experience is November 3rd at the Colts Complex. Register online, and we'll have that link on our website. Uh, All Pro Dad, I'm very proud to be working with them now. It's a wonderful, wonderful foundation and a wonderful organization. They host events all over the country at NFL franchises all over the country. The next one that you'll have a chance to participate in here in Indianapolis, November 3rd, out at the uh, Colts Complex off of 56th Street. And I am looking so forward to it. It's going to be so much fun. And thanks to everybody at All Pro Dad for including me. And I'll strive my hardest to be an all-pro dad myself. The Adam Ritz Show, a reality show for your radio. We're inside the Texas Tech Red Raider football complex with quarterback Jacob Karam. Hi, Jacob. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for for hanging out with us. Now, uh, what is your year right now? Let's have a little getting to know Red Raider time with Jacob. What, What year are you? I'm a senior academically and a sophomore on the football field. What? <laughs> okay, so on the football field, I'll have I have three years remaining on my eligibility, so I'm a sophomore right now, but I'm going to graduate in December, so I'm a senior. How many years will you play for the Red Raiders without being a student? Is that possible? <laughs> yeah, I guess two. Well, I'll hopefully be a graduate student for two years. Uh-huh. So Fantastic. So you're a smart guy, quarterback. you got to be smart to be quarterback, and yes, then you're going to graduate early, maybe grad school. Uh, so football-wise, you're a redshirt freshman. Or I'm sorry, red, redshirt sophomore. So it was only a few semesters ago that you were getting recruited to come here. Out of where are you from? Friends with Texas. Uh, it's down in the Houston area. It's a suburb like southeast uh, between Houston and Galveston. So big time Division One football in the state of Texas at Texas Tech. I mean, I'm guessing you're pretty good. <laughs> we work hard here, so uh, you know we we try to compete with the best. And uh, to do that, you got to work. You got to work hard and work with the best. So where else were you recruited out of high school? 
Um, you know what? I was really fortunate. I, I, I had uh, 16 offers coming out of high school, and it came down to Texas Tech and Oklahoma. So wow. those, are the, those are the ones that really stuck out to me. I actually committed to Texas Tech before uh, the, the football season going in, so I, I just took my one official visit to Texas Tech. And believe it or not, it was the, it was the game when Texas Tech played Texas when Michael Crabtree caught that game-winning pass in the, in the oh, last yeah. second. I mean, everyone, all sports fan knows about it, no matter where you are. And I was like, that was God telling me, this is where you're supposed to be. So I was, you know, I remember just a bunch of the recruits, the other recruits on the sideline, and we were all chest bumping and excited to be there and, you know, just honored that we were going to get to go to this program that was on the uh, up and coming. So it was, it was a special visit, that's for sure. It made up for all five in that one. <laughs> that is super cool. You know, the fun thing about the Big 12 is, is that, you know, we're all kind of close together with Texas and, and Texas Tech and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and Baylor. I mean, a lot of us played in high school together. So it, it's so many rivalries and it's, it's a lot of fun to play in this conference, that's for sure. Now, on this campus at Texas Tech in Lubbock, Texas, give us a, a secret uh, of the campus. Maybe not even in the athletic program or football team, but just something about the campus that maybe somebody at home yeah. doesn't know. Well, believe it or not, it's the biggest square footage-wise campus in the country. It's Texas Tech. is. It's a monster, and that's why we've got great bus systems, and you see people uh, riding bikes and scooters and all kinds of things across campus. Or people just jogging trying to get a workout because it it's huge. So if you miss your bus to class yeah, and you have to walk, what's the walk time from one end of campus to the, to the other end of campus? It's going to take you maybe – across campus, I don't know. I've never even made that, that walk. But I know from one, one of my buildings to the other, it's taking me 12 minutes, and they're not even that far apart. And in order for me to uh, go from across campus, I'm going to need a couple of canteens with me or something, man, because that's a, that's a big walk. When it's 100 degrees out. Yeah, yeah. And this, in this West Texas dry heat, it's, it's unbelievable. So I don't, hopefully won't have to do that. <laughs> Well, best of luck to you here at uh, Lubbock at uh, Texas Tech. We'll look for you on the football field. What's your number? Number three. Number three. In your, number one in your hearts, number three in your programs. Thanks for your time, Jacob. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.